ಭಾಗವತ ವಾಹಿನಿ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಒನ್ ದ ಭಾಗವತ ದ ನೇಮ್ ಭಾಗವತ ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಬಿ ಅಪ್ಲೈಡ್ ಟು ಎವ್ರಿ ಅಕೌಂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪೀರಿಯನ್ಸಸ್ ಆಫ್ ದೋಸ್ ಹೂ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಕಾಂಟ್ಯಾಕ್ಟೆಡ್ ಗಾಡ್ ಅಂಡ್ ದ ಗಾಡ್ಲಿ ಭಗವಾನ್ ಅಂಡ್ ದ ಭಕ್ತಾಸ್ ಗಾಡ್ ಅಸ್ಯೂಮ್ಸ್ ಮೆನಿ ಫಾರ್ಮ್ಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಅನಾಕ್ಸ್ ಮೆನಿ ಆಕ್ಟಿವಿಟೀಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ದ ನೇಮ್ ಭಾಗವತ is given to the descriptions of the experiences of those who have realized him in those forms and of those who have been blessed by his grace and are chosen as his instruments the great work known by that name is honored by all masters of the vedas it is a panacea which cures physical mental and spiritual illnesses the bhagavata is saturated with sweetness of nectar it shines with the splendor of god the principle of avatar or the descent of god on earth the incarnation of the formless with form is for the uplift of all beings this is the basic fact that makes the bhagavata authentic by bhagavata we also mean those with attachment to god those who seek the companionship of god for such the book bhagavata is most precious it is the breath of their life to be in the midst of such bhagavatas is to foster one's own devotion unless you have a taste for godward thoughts you will not derive joy therefrom to create that taste the bhagavata relates stories relating to incarnations to the earnest inquirer then one develops the yearning to experience the thrill of god through all the levels of consciousness he who has intense yearning can be a true bhagavata people believe that incarnations of god happen only for two reasons the punishment of the wicked and the protection of the righteous but those represent only one aspect of the task the granting of peace and joy of a sense of fulfillment to the seekers who have striven long this too is the task the avatar is only the concretization of the yearning of the seekers it is the solidified sweetness of the devotion of godly aspirants the formless assumes the form for the sake of these aspirants and seekers they are the prime cause the cow secretes milk for the sustenance of the calf the calf is the chief beneficiary but as we see others too benefit from that milk so too though the bhaktas devotees are the prime cause and their joy and sustenance the prime purpose other incidental benefits also accrue such as the fostering of dharma and the suppression of the evil there is no compulsive rule that incarnation should occur only on earth and that too in human form any place any form can be chosen by the fully free whichever place whatever form promotes the purpose of fulfilling the yearnings of the devotee that place and that form are chosen by the will of god god is above and beyond the limits of time and space he is beyond all characteristics and qualities no list of such can describe him fully for him all beings are equal the difference between man bird beast worm insect and even a god is but a difference of the vessel 
that is the upadi it is like the electric current that flows through various contrivances and expresses itself in many different activities there is no distinction in the current it is the same to speak of it as different is to reveal one's ignorance that is ajnana so too the one single god activates every vessel or upadi and gives rise to manifold consequences the wise see only the one uniform current the ignorant feel that they are all distinct god appreciates the consciousness of unity as the basic motive of acts he does not appreciate the activity itself being one without variety it is suited to the various needs the fruits of karma or activity appeal only to those who identify themselves with the body and not for the others who know that they are the inscrutable atma the soul which is a inner motive force in everything again you must know that there is no end to the incarnations that god indulges in he has come down on countless occasions sometimes he comes with a part of his glory sometimes with a fuller equipment of splendor sometimes for a particular task sometimes to transform an entire era of time or an entire continent of space it is the story of the last of these that the bhagavata elaborates the drama enacted by the avatar and the bhaktas that is the god and the devotee drawn towards him is the subject matter of the bhagavata listening to it promotes the realization of god many sages have testified to its efficacy and extol the bhagavata which they helped preserve for posterity generally speaking man gets drawn to sense objects for he is the victim of instincts instincts easily seek sense objects they come along with the body and are not derived by any training the infant seeks milk from mother's breast the newborn calf nestles at the udder no training is needed for this but for the infant to walk and talk some training is necessary the reason is that they are not automatic they are socially prompted by example or by imitation of others training is essential even for the proper pursuit of sense pleasure for it is a wild untrained search for such pleasure that promotes anger hatred envy malice and conceit to train them among salutary lines and to hold them under control certain good disciplines like japa dhyana upavasa sandhya vandanam recital of name of the lord meditation fasts worship at dawn and dusk are essential but however much their value may be praised and their practice recommended people do not develop a taste for them this is because the desire for sensory pleasure has struck deep roots in the human heart when one is asked to do spiritually salutary acts one has no inner prompting at all still one should not give up in despair until the taste sprouts the disciplines have to be strictly followed this taste is the result of training and no one has it from the very beginning the infant does not know the taste of milk by taking it daily it develops an attachment for it 
which is so deep that when milk is to be given up and rice substituted, it starts to protest. But the mother does not despair. She persuades the child to take small quantities of cooked rice daily and by this process, the infant starts liking rice and it gives up milk. So milk was once its natural food. But by practice, rice became its natural food. So natural that if no rice is available for a single day, it becomes miserable. So too, those sense pleasures are natural at first. By means of practice, training and listening to the commendation of the wise, slowly the greater and more lasting pleasure derivable from the glories of the Lord and the recapitulation is grasped. Thereafter, one cannot exist without that atmosphere even for a minute. One feels that there is nothing as sweet as the experience of listening to the splendor of the Lord. The company of the worldly who chatter about the senses and the sense objects will no longer attract. The company which exults in praising the Lord will draw and hold. This is the real hallmark of the good. Spiritual aspirants of the Lord are to be judged by these, not by external apparel or appearances. If one mixes with men who revel in sensory talk and activities, then he puts himself out of court. Spend your time in the company of the godly, engaged in godly affairs. Avoid getting mixed with the company of the ungodly. Do not see their activities or listen to their accounts. Only those who avoid them can be called Bhagavata or God's own. Reading and enjoying the stories of the glory of Krishna in some sacred spot or some temple or prayer hall shrine or hermitage of a saint or sage or in the company of the virtuous and the good, that is a source of great inspiration and joy. It makes people forget everything else. Else, one can approach pious men and serving them, listening to their exposition of the glories of God. Taste for such wholesome literature is a result of accumulated merit and endeavor. It is that merit that rewards one with such company. Listening will be enough in the beginning. Later, the stories will arouse interest in the nature and characteristics of God and the aspirant will seek and find for himself the path to realization. Listening to the expositions of the wise is much better than reading oneself or one can be looking into the text while listening. It is preferable to listen in company rather than alone. Of course, it is excellent to listen with a number of earnest aspirants. If the person who expounds has had the thrill of genuine experience, then it is the most supreme luck, for it yields best results. For his face will blossom into joy, his eyes will shed tears of joy at the very contemplation of the glory of the Lord. Those who listen to him will catch that inspiration. They will experience the joy themselves. In the midst of a group that weeps, tears will spring out of the eyes of those who have come in. When an infant smiles, those around will also smile in unison. So too, the words of those who are saturated with devotion to God 
will saturate the hearts of those who listen. It is impossible to measure the profit that one can derive while in the company of the great. Through that process of listening, a dirt-laden heart will be transformed into a clean, illumined heart shining with genuine light. To the foul orders of sense pursuits, keenness to listen to the glories of God is a valuable disinfectant besides being in itself so full of sweet fragrance. The listening will cleanse the heart through the prompting it gives for good work. Such a cleansed heart is a most appropriate altar. In that fragrant altar, the Lord will establish Himself. At that very moment, another incident too will happen. The group of six wises that had infested the place will quit without so much as a farewell. When these wises quit, the wicked retinue of evil tendencies and vulgar attitudes which live on them will break their camp and disappear without leaving even their addresses. Then, man will shine in his native splendor of truth and love, satya and prema. He will endeavor without hindrance to realize himself, and finally, he will succeed in merging with the universal and eternal. He will liberate himself from the tangle of ignorance, maya. His mind will fade away. The long-hidden secret will be revealed to him. He will discover his madhavatva, that is divinity. Man's nature is prema, love. He cannot survive a moment when deprived of love. It is the very breath of his life. When the six vices to which he was attached so long disappear, love is the only occupant of the heart. But love has to find an object, a loved one. It cannot be alone. So it is directed to the dark blue, divine child, the charming cowherd boy who is purity personified, who is the embodiment of service, sacrifice and selflessness, who has taken the residence in that cleansed altar. There is no scope now for any other attachment to grow. So, step by step, this love for Madhava becomes deeper, purer and more self-denying until at last there is no need for thought and the individual is merged in the universal. When Vasudeva enters the heart of man, Vasudeva has no longer a place therein. In other words, when the Deva of Vasu or wealth is seated in the heart, the divine Vasudeva, Krishna, cannot dwell therein. Any attempt to accommodate both in the heart is bound to fail. Darkness and light cannot exist at the same time in the same place. They cannot continue together. Dhanam and Devam cannot be joint ideals. When Dhanam or riches are sought, Devam or God cannot also be achieved. If both are sought by man, what he will achieve will be neither Dhanam nor Devam, but Dhayam, the devil. It is creditable if man behaves as man, but it is laudable if he behaves as the Madhava, who he really is. But to behave as a demon or a beast is despicable indeed, for 
Man was long born a mineral and died a mineral. Then he promoted himself as a tree. He was long born a tree and died as a tree. But in the process, he got promoted as an animal. But he has now risen into the status of man. This rise from one scale to another has been acknowledged by science and spiritual experience. But today, he is born as man and dies as man. It is a greater shame if he slides into the beast or a beastly ogre. Praise is his due, only if he rises to divine status. That is real fulfillment of his destiny. Therefore, avoid contact with vices, develop attachment to virtues, transmute the heart into an altar for the Lord. Destroy all the shoots and sprouts of desire. And then, your Manasa Sarovara, the lake of your inner consciousness, will be sublimated into Shira Sagara, the pure ocean milk wherein the Lord reclines on the serpent couch. Your real self will, like the celestial Hamsa, swam, revel in the placid waters of that lake, thus transformed. It will discover Endless delight. Who can mark the beginning of the continuous waves of the ocean? It is an impossible task. If one desires to be so, the wave with which it starts the calculation will be considered as a beginning. The wave with which he stops his calculation will be for him the last, the end. There is a beginning and an end for his count, but there is no beginning or an end for the process. No one can visualize either in that boundless, illimitable expanse. God's glory is the shoreless ocean. When one starts describing it, it begins for him. When he finishes his description, it is the end, so far as he is concerned. But God's glory is beyond space and time. Only little minds, limited minds, will argue that God's glory has a beginning and an end. The stage on which he plays his leelas has no boundaries. The story of his leela is all nectar. It has no other component, no other taste, and no other content. Everyone can drink his fill from any part of that ocean of nectar. The same sweetness exists everywhere, in every particle. There is nothing inferior to mar this sweetness. Sugar is sweet when eaten during day or during the night. For it is a night or day for the person who eats, not for the sugar. Sugar behaves uniformly always. The love of God and the love for God are both eternally sweet and pure, whatever the method of your accepting and attaining them. Such love is holy and inspiring.